morning, church. It's good as always to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping together for all that Jesus has done for us. As Larry said, my uh, father's here, and our daughter and her son-in-law are here, Stephen and Becca. So uh, it kind of was the surprise this weekend. Everybody came on the same weekend, so a, a little family reunion has broken out that we maybe didn't expect or, or plan for. So we are glad to have them here visiting this weekend. Our scripture text this morning is found in the book of Ecclesiastes. You've heard that. So um, this Old Testament book is right after Psalms and Proverbs. And so it's always an easy way to find it in your Bible. And uh, so turn there with, with me, if you would, this morning. This isn't always the book that you turn to if you want an uplifting message uh, in your day or in your week. Uh, but um, you will see what I mean here in a minute. There is something to get from this that can be uplifting and hopeful. Uh, a couple weeks ago at the community service, worship service, I was surprised to hear Pastor Mike Johnson, who was here for many years at Vine Street Christian up, uptown. He was here to bring the message. And he said, he preached on Joshua 4, which we've talked about here recently. And he said in all of his years of preaching, which would be probably 40 or 50 years, he had never preached on that passage of the 12 stones from Joshua 4. I was just kind of shocked by that. Um, But I've been preaching for only 20 years, and I realized that I have never preached from the book of Ecclesiastes before. So um, this is going to be a first time for me, and I won't be able to say that uh, after this morning. This book, like the book of Proverbs, was written by King Solomon, as Nancy was saying to the children. And he was trying to to lead future generations on a reflective journey on what matters in life and what doesn't matter in life. And, you know, as she said, Solomon had it all as, as the world would see it or as the world would look at it. He had tremendous intellect. He had power. He had, he had wealth and all of those things beyond belief. At one point, he found his life, though, in a downward spiral. And he wondered what the purpose of life really is. Many of his questions in these verses are asked by many people even today. But in the end, he takes stock of his life and hopes to lead others to what truly matters in the end. And so as you hear these verses, as I read these verses, don't despair. There is hope on the horizon if we seek after it. And so we're going to be reading the first 14 verses here of the first chapter. This is how it begins. The words of the teacher, son of David... King of Jerusalem, King in Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all of their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north, and round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, and yet the sea is never full. 
to the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was already here long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I've seen all the things that are under done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. <clears throat> Wasn't that uplifting? <laughs> Perhaps there's a reason that I've never preached on this text before. <laughs> but with that said... There is a reason that Solomon put these words on paper. And there is a reason that they are included in God's word. Sometimes we need to hear the desperation. And we need to hear the emptiness and the futility in order to lead us to the hope, the fullness, and the purpose that can be found in this life. In the past several years since the pandemic, we have heard reports in the news time after time, and we've seen statistics about all of the depression, loneliness, hopelessness, and despair that are really at an all time high in, in both our country and even around the world. And that would believe. That would lead us to believe that many people are asking some of these questions or coming to some of these conclusions that, that Solomon is sharing here. And so, might there be a connection to what we hear in those news reports and in those statistics in relation to things like Lower church attendance. People who are leaving the faith. And what many are calling a post-Christian world that we are now living in. It seems that the answer would be yes. There is some kind of connection that, that can be made in all of that. And that's why Solomon is sharing this despair. I mean, Solomon doesn't end here in this first chapter. And we're going to get to that before the end of the message today. There is hope. There is purpose. There is meaning in this life. But it's not found in the many places and the many things that people are trying to find it. The first thing we noticed in these verses is that there is a, a search for meaning in what seems to be a meaningless 
world. Have any of you ever chased the wind before? <laughs> I mean, you know, sure, we've all been embarrassed those times when the wind blows a piece of paper that you really need across the yard and you're chasing it across the yard trying to catch up to it and you're worried about all your neighbors laughing at you out their window. <laughs> or maybe as a kid you chased a kite. Some years ago they made a movie that was called Twister. And that was about people who were chasing the wind, chasing tornadoes. That would be chasing the wind at like, what, 200 to 300 miles per hour, maybe? I'm not sure Solomon knew about tornadoes because I don't think they had tornadoes or have tornadoes in the Middle East or in Israel. He mentions it here in verse 14, but he also uses that phrase several more times in the chapters that follow. He doesn't, he doesn't define what it means, but we know. We know what chasing the wind means. We know that it is a fruitless endeavor. Because you'll never catch it. You will never contain it. And you'll never really even see it, right? Well, the quote that we're most familiar with in this first chapter, though, comes from verse 2. You've probably heard it before. Everything is meaningless. Or as the King James Version refers to it, all is vanity. Now, this word has been translated many ways. Your Bible, depending on what translation you use, might say futile, might say empty, it could say pointless, could say momentary, or, of course, it could say meaningless, like the NIV says, which I read from this morning. The Hebrew word there literally means breath or vapor. The only other place that that word is used appropriately is the book of Job. If you think about what the book of Job says. And, and the Message Bible, of course, is a paraphrase. And the Message Bible paraphrases verse 2 by saying, There's nothing to anything. It's all just smoke. Now, if we turn to the New Testament, James picks up on this when he asks a rhetorical question. And he says, what is your life? He says, you're a mist that appears for just a little while. And then it vanishes. James and Solomon there weren't denying any purpose or any meaning in human life. They were rather saying that life is or can be very empty and fleeting and brief. And none of it really matters unless God is in it. And there's the key. How many people are chasing after purpose and meaning in life, but they are chasing after all of the wrong things? And in chasing after all of those wrong things, they are turning their back on the one thing that is really the answer. Apparently, it was a human dilemma 3,000 years ago in Solomon's time, and today many people still struggle with that same dilemma. 
For many people, life is simply the pursuit of pleasure, which ends with one big letdown after another. As Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones sang some years ago, I can't get no satisfaction. (laughs) Apart from God, nothing will satisfy. Jesus said that gaining the whole world means nothing if, if God isn't a part of our lives. To quote another popular song from the past, Without God, all we are is dust in the wind. What group sang that? Kansas. The group Kansas. The endless pursuit of wealth, pleasure, power, adventure, and even knowledge almost always leaves you empty in the end. And that was Solomon's dilemma. Is that a dilemma for you in your life these days? I mean, do you sometimes feel like like verse 2 here? This is all meaningless. If so, perhaps the encouragement shared in the book of Proverbs as well as the end of this book of Ecclesiastes can help you to see how to avoid this emptiness. And I hope that you will also take time to read the book of Proverbs because it is a book that you can soak in a lot of wisdom in just 31 chapters. And it just has a lot of short nuggets of great wisdom, of great ideas of how to live a character-filled life, and, and also guidance on how to find purpose and meaning in this life. But here in this book of Ecclesiastes, which is right after it, it's almost like Solomon wanted to, wanted to drive his readers to despair and then to God as the answer to that despair. I mean, that's exactly what he is doing here. In the verses that we heard earlier in chapter 12... The last chapter of this book, Dory actually read them when she was up here. Solomon says this, now all of it's been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, in other words, honor him, follow God, be looking to God, that's what fear means there, and keep his commandments. For this, he says, is the duty of all mankind. Back in 2002, the year 2002, Pastor Rick Warren wrote a book that became one of the best-selling Christian books of all time. Anybody know the title of that? Purpose Driven Life. You are correct. And on the cover of that book, he posed a question. The question was, what on earth am I here for? The reason that that book became so popular is that so many people are asking that question. They want to know what in this life brings meaning, what brings purpose, what brings hope, what brings joy. And day one of that book, I hadn't pulled it out for years until this week, and I pulled it out, and day one of that book says, it all starts with God. And here's what the first 
paragraph says. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It is far, it's far greater than your family, your career, or even the wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. So it took Rick Warren a paragraph to say there what Solomon was basically saying in one verse. It's not about us. It's about God. Now it's no secret that life can be very tough and very difficult at times. I mean, these verses are very forthright in that proclamation. But how, you know, how can we find joy in the midst of the toil and the uncertainties that life throws at us? In verse 3 of chapter 1, Solomon ponders, he says, What do people gain for all of their hard work under the sun? I've heard many people ask a similar question. What's the point of all this that we're doing? What's the point? In a life lived without God, without Jesus, and without the power of the Holy Spirit, there's not much. If you live by the motto of life is short, and so I'm just going to live it up, and I'm not going to worry about God and others or eternity, you're really going to be disappointed and feel like life is meaningless and feel like it's empty. It's like when you buy a new car or something like that, you know. The newness is exciting, you know, but it give, uh, but give it a week or two and it's just going to be another car that gets you from here to there. The excitement of things can only last so long. And Solomon, as we've heard, Solomon could afford anything, you know, anything he desired. But he discovered that in his frustration that nothing could buy him happiness. And we we see that often in the life of actors or rock stars, athletes and others who are, are rich and famous. You know, uh, God will give us good things and God will give us pleasures to enjoy in this life. But we need to appreciate those things as a gift and not make them a God. Solomon, he never said no to, the, to himself. You know, he, he gave in to every uh, impulse that was devoted to the pursuit of happiness. And he, only, he discovered that it was only just like chasing after the wind. It reminds me of a, a Rich Mullins song from many years ago. He sang, everybody I know says they need just one thing. But what they really mean is they need just one thing more. Those are some awesome lyrics. Even to this day, I think about that, that one line so often. 
we think we need more, but then we get more. We want something else. And, um, you know, what he's singing there uh, in the chorus, he actually, in that song, he actually gets to the point where he says the Lord is his one thing. And that's all he needs to find joy and meaning in this life. You see, someone can be materially rich and yet be spiritually bankrupt. God's word tries to help to keep us from going down that path of being spiritually bankrupt. Many years ago, there was a picture of Princess Diana and she was meeting Mother Teresa. You know, they, an interesting fact about those two, they actually died one week apart of each other back in 1997. But you couldn't have two more different lifestyles in this world. I mean, Princess Diana, what, royalty, she was young, famous, wore designer clothes, expensive jewelry. And in the eyes of the world, you know, it seems like she just had it all. Mother Teresa was old. She dressed very simply. Lived in the slums of Calcutta, India. She worked among the diseased and the homeless outcasts of society. But which one of those do you suppose was the happiest? Now, that's not to say that Princess Diana was a bad person. I'm not saying that. She did many good things as well in her 36 years here on earth. But the contrast between those two lifestyles is it's so far-reaching if you think about it. Mother Teresa once said, A life not lived for others is not a life. And she said that because of her faith in God and, and the call of Jesus upon her life. In Luke 6, it was read earlier, we heard Jesus speaking about building your life on the solid foundation of God instead of the shifting sands of this world. And, you know, in that passage, Jesus isn't saying that, that we need to totally separ separate ourselves from the world. That's not the point that he's trying to make. And he's not saying that we shouldn't enjoy some of the blessings and, and things like that in this world that are there. But he was teaching there about the importance of keeping God and his commandments at the forefront of your life. If you build on money and success and pleasure and popularity, the end result is not what most think it would be. I mean, many people who attain those things, I, I might even say most of the people who attain those things, they are still searching for meaning and purpose in life. And the, the foundation of their life is built on those shifting sands of this world instead of the rock-solid foundation of God, salvation in Jesus Christ, and their eternal home in heaven. As Mother Teresa would say, it needs to be less about us and more about God and others. Look at, you know, look at many of the rich and famous in our world. How many of them have passed away early in life because of drugs, alcohol, depression, and basically hopelessness? 
I mean, people often think they would love to experience that life and that it would, you know, what it would be like to win a billion dollar lottery. But do they really? Do we really? I mean, there have been many tragic stories of people who have built their life around things just to find out that that's not where it's at. That's not going to bring joy and happiness and fulfillment in life. It might for a moment in time. But as Solomon says, all of it is really meaningless and just a chasing after the wind. We are not going to be here forever. Our eternal home is not here. It is in heaven. And that's the exact scenario that Jesus is warning us about there in Luke 6. Now, I don't want to say, or I don't want you to hear me say that if you are a famous athlete or an actor or musician or whatever, that, that, they, none, of, that none of them find purpose and meaning in life. And here is an example. Here's a short clip of Kirk Cousins, who is the, the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, listen to what he says. Up here, uh, we have a playbook on the football field. Us quarterbacks study it relentlessly. But this is a playbook for life. The Bible makes it very clear that the best decision you will ever make, far beyond where to throw a football, is the decision to make of, of who will be the master of your life. Uh, as I walked off the field those days, a second thought beyond, oh no, I just made a bad decision, a second thought would often go through my head and the thought would go like this. Thank you, God that my life is not built on football. Because if my life is built on football, it just crumbled. I had made a decision, a good decision, many years ago as a young man to build my life on this book, the truth of God's word, and to allow him to direct the course of my life wherever it may go, good or bad, but to trust and obey him. So there are some who are successful and, and have made good, godly decisions in their life. I just heard the story the last week or two of Granger Smith and his family. Perhaps many of you who follow country music know or have heard of Granger Smith. He is an award-winning, platinum-selling country music singer and songwriter. He had success. He was touring the nation doing concerts until unspeakable tragedy struck their family. Their three-year-old son named River drowned in their backyard swimming pool. And in the face of that tragedy, all of the sorrow that came with it, and of course, many, many tears, Granger and his wife Amber and their two other children started to lean on God like never before. God began to work in their lives and show them his purpose for their future. Granger is now actually moving on from country music and starting to preach and share the good news of Jesus around the country instead. I think he just did one last tour kind of his, as his farewell country music tour. But his family has, has just poured themselves into their church. They have, uh, Granger studies his Bible every morning as he drinks his coffee. And he actually has started work on a seminary degree now. He's also written a book about their journey, if you're interested in, in reading it. It's titled, Like a River, Finding Faith and Strength to Move Forward After Heartache. This is what he said about his new purpose in life. 
There are too many hurting people, too many lost people, and too many people without a Savior in Jesus. The reality of that burden is too great, and the stakes are too high for me to continue at a distance from the lines of history's great spiritual battle. I mean, that is a man that has purpose and meaning in his life. And why is that? It's because he is truly seeking after God in his life, like Solomon mentions here in chapter 12. And that's really the theme of not only this book of Ecclesiastes, it is the theme of the whole Bible. All of God's word. I mean, you know, as you think about it, we all have very different journeys in this life. I mean, no, no life represented here, even if you're in the same family. No life is exactly the same as another. And no two people experience all of the same things in their lifetime. But one thing needs to be the same in all of our lives. We all need to trust God. We all need to place our hope in Christ. And we all need to rely on the Holy Spirit to see us through whatever it is we are going to face in our journey. And in our life. We cannot turn our back on our maker. The one who has saved us and and has promised to see us through life in this world. You know, it is oftentimes in the desert that we meet God and discover who we are and what our purpose is. That's what happened to Granger Smith. As Phil Wickham sings in one of his new releases, new songs, he says, How could I ever walk away from the one who saved my life? So, keep your eyes on God, on Jesus, and on eternity, not on the temporary trappings of this world. You can chase the wind, you can try to find that pot at the end of the rainbow... Or you cannot. Instead, you can trust God. You can find your hope in Christ. You can seek his purpose and his meaning for your life. There is a light in the dark places of this world. But it is found in Jesus Christ. And in his love and grace for all of humanity. If we want to chase the wind... A better idea would be to chase the winds of the Holy Spirit that we read about and hear about in Acts 2 during Pentecost. God made his presence known, and then God made his presence known in their life after making it known in the world. And Jesus said, if you will seek him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, He will be there to help you through all the things that you'll face in this life and to give you hope and purpose. I'm going to end this morning with the words of Jesus uh, during his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. And I hope that this will be the aim of all of our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, may your name be praised. May your kingdom come soon on this earth. But may your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we worship you today with reverence and awe because of who you are. We're blessed that you call us your people. Help us to love you and follow you, Jesus, with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Help our lives to be devoted to the ways and the will of God and not the temporary trappings of this world. Lord, help us to grow in our devotion and our commitment to Christ so that our life here on this earth can be filled with your joy, your peace, and your purpose. Lord, we don't know what each person has been facing in their life. We don't know what they have been chasing, but we know what we have been chasing. And Lord, if it is not the things of you and the things that matter for eternity, we pray that you would stir in our heart and stir in our life something new, something that will give us purpose and hope. Help our world and our nation, Lord, to realize that the way out of this desperation is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The way out of our hopelessness is found in God. And may we turn to God and rely on on our faith to see us through this, this life. And Lord, we pray that you would prepare us all for eternal life in heaven. And, and I pray that if there's somebody here this morning who has not received you and accepted Jesus into their life, I pray that there would not be another day that goes by without that happening. Because that's where you will find a true meaning, true hope, and true happiness in this life. Lord, be with us now as we go out into this world. Help us be a light in the darkness. It is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a wonderful day and and week, everyone.